guys. So we are bringing you something new, a little different. Um, we're calling it the midweek fringy morsels. And we know some of you out there are fiending for more content. You can't get enough. You're just living on the edge of your seat waiting for Sunday. And we get that. It makes sense to us. And so we decided that we were going to give you guys the opportunity to get to know us a little bit better. Who are these freaks on the other side of the microphone? (laughs) It's us. My name is Rick, as a reminder. I'm Kristen. And I'm Bethany. And we are That's So Fringy Podcast. We're here tonight to just uh, allow you guys to get to know us a little bit better. Kristen and Bethany are going to kind of pepper me with some questions. So tonight you get to learn about me a little bit, whether you like it or not. Uh And uh, so far away, what do you guys want to know? So I think the direction we're going to eventually go with this is like we're going to kind of talk about maybe some current events or some some things that are going on that are interesting in the world or just, you know, like a little maybe 15, 20 minute thing just to, you know, get you through the week since we know you guys miss us. Um, But for the first few, we decided we wanted to just have you guys get to know us a little bit better. So Rick, yeah, where did you grow up? Kind of what, what was your, your early, early life like? What's little Ricky like? What's little baby Ricky? Well, I didn't grow up with a golden diaper, but I did grow up in Idaho, um, Nampa to be exact, and uh, my family, my whole family was from California, Anaheim area, and um, my grandpa and grandma have a farm out in Idaho, and uh, my parents divorced young, and I ended up, um, we, we ended up moving to Idaho and lived with my grandparents for a while. And my mom, being the strong woman that she is, um, you know, worked multiple jobs and um, was able to pay for her own home uh, as a single mom and raising two ferocious uh, wild animals. And, uh, you know, it, it was a good childhood. My mom was, you know, she was strict in the ways that she needed to be, and she was loving and nurturing, and she always took care of everything that needed to be taken care of. And then uh, she met my stepdad, um, and when they got married, um, he came into the scene and um, brought a whole nother level of um, just fun to my childhood. You know, he introduced us to guns and to dirt bikes and jet skis and all camping all of the outdoorsy type things that uh, he was really into. And so, um, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Look, it's me in a nutshell. <laughs> so did you grow up in church then? Cause you have a pretty strong faith at this point in your life. Yeah, I, so we grew up in a Baptist church over in uh, Nampa there. And I remember going every Sunday or most Sundays But it was very traditional, you know, it was um, pews and hymns. And I I remember my mom, you know, like giving me a dollar to put in the offering plate or 50 cents. You know, I remember going down into the basement, the church basement and having, um, you know, holiday parties and potlucks and all of those different things. But I didn't really come into my faith until um, later on in life. 
when I really started pursuing it myself. I mean, I went to um, like Awanas and uh, those type of things. I gave my, well, I felt like I gave myself to the Lord at a very young age, but I didn't, I think there's levels to that. And I didn't really know, I knew of God, but I wasn't following God. And so um, it wasn't until later uh, in life that I actually made more of a, more of a commitment and um, beca became more of a follower. I hope that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So then after you graduated high school, where did life take you? So I graduated in 2000 and the world was a little different back then. Um, obviously pre nine 11, I decided that I was going to join the military. I actually, didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life because I was kind of a, a wild man and was just kind of very worldly, very into all the things that were um, shiny and cute back then. And, uh, you know, you get on that path and nothing else really matters because you're just too busy at that young age. And um, I didn't really have a good direction. I hated school. I knew I didn't want to go to college. And so um, I ended up uh, enlisting in the United States Marine Corps. I became an infantryman um, and served four years, four eventful years, because as we all know, 9-11 happened in 2001, September. So um, I was in when that happened. And I remember distinctly being, uh, I had a class that morning uh, of that, everybody has their 9-11 story. Everybody remembers where they were when it happened. And mine was, I was uh, actually laying on my, so in the military, for those of you that are in the military, for those of you that aren't, um, you have to make your bed when you're living in the barracks, you have to make your bed every morning or your rack and you have to make it tight and it has to look good and it has to pass inspection, all those different things. And uh, so if you aren't going, you know, out to do something, and you want to go back to sleep, which is a very rare occurrence. But in this case, I was able this morning, that that particular morning to go back to sleep because I my class didn't start until nine. And so I was actually sleeping on my floor, uh, my barracks room, waiting for my class when somebody came banging on my window telling me to turn on the TV. And that's when... Uh, that's when my military career really got interesting because, um, you know, all the bases were shut down. You know, we were on guard duty. We uh, were getting spun up to go to Afghanistan, Iraq, all those different things. Everybody, you know, everything that you had trained for was now becoming very real. And so, yeah, that's where I was at that time. So you learned about 9-11 from the TV, like everybody else. I did. Yeah. Wow. I, I learned about it. On the TV. On the old TV. Yeah. What else you got? Hit me. So after, so you were in the military for four years uh -huh. and you lived in California. Yes. And then where did life take you? Well, uh, let's see. I got married at a young age um, and had my daughter when I was 21. And... Um, she is now 19, which is crazy to even think about. You're old. I am old. And no. uh, 
you know, that, that marriage didn't work out, but it was a season and three kids came from that marriage and they're beautiful children. I love them with all my heart. I'm so glad that, uh, that they are part of my life and I get to be part of theirs. And, um, you know, as most divorce parents go through, you don't have, um, access to your children as much as you would like to, but you, you deal with it and you, uh, you show them love as much as you can and you communicate as much as you can. And, uh, you know, my children are great, but after that, so I was living in Washington with my, uh, with my ex-wife and, um, I did several different things. I worked, you know, in security, I worked with youth, um, and I, I was always kind of pastoring or helping in the church on the side, um, giving, giving of my time in, in certain ways. And uh, that's really kind of where my love for the Bible came from. When I had to start teaching it for people, I really felt a responsibility to, to really know it. And, uh, you know, because the Bible says that we have to be, you know, don't, don't seek to be teachers because there's a, there's a greater um, responsibility that comes with that because you're, you're teaching um, the world, the message of Jesus Christ. And if you're teaching it wrong, I mean, you, you could be a false teacher. And that, and that was always really important to me to teach uh, the message of Jesus correctly. And so I did some pastoring, some youth pastoring and some associate pastoring and stuff like that. Um, did a lot of administrative things kind of behind the scenes. And, uh, that's really where I liked to be. And then I met my beautiful wife, Kristen and oh my gosh, this is, can I get a drum roll? Does anybody have, uh, this is the, this is the, uh, climax of the story. This is when everything gets wild. Uh, I met Kristen and, uh, you know, she fell in love with me very quickly, which I get. That makes sense. And uh, happily ever after, you know, it's just, no. The end. Yeah, the end. I'm just kidding. No. So when Kristen and I got together, Kristen had been previously married, which we'll probably get into on her episode. So I won't give you any spoiler alerts. But um, Kristen had two children from her previous marriage, uh, boys both. And when we got together, I um, was given the privilege of being able to help raise them. And I took that um, very seriously, and I still do. And I consider them my children just as much as I consider my own uh, my children. And we've, we've grown to have a good, godly, loving relationship. Um, and... We try to serve our community. We try to love our children and teach them in the ways that they should go so that when they're older, they will not depart from it. And um, then it was a little while down the road where Kristen looked at me and said, hey, do you think we should have a baby? And I was (laughs) like, well, uh, my calculations, uh, we already have five of these things running around this earth. So why not? Let's do another. And so we decided that we wanted to have one together. And so we ended up um, having Lincoln, which is our youngest. Um, 
he's autistic and he's probably the sweetest boy you'll ever meet. Uh, he loves football and everything that has to do with it. Um, if the kid could wear a jersey every day, he would. He tries. He tries, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that kind of brings us to current, I think. I think so. So was there a point in your life, either in the military or when you were living in Washington, that you really like latched on to your faith? Because like you grew up, kind of like me and Bethany, we grew up in the church, but I think we took it for granted. Mm -hmm. Like, was there a point when it became real to you where it was like, oh, wow, this is now my faith. This isn't my mom's faith or my family's faith. This This is mine. When was that? I think it was, well, I don't think, I know. It was when I was in Iraq. Um, I spent nine months in Iraq, and it was a really wild time, as you can imagine, because you're, you know, you're a young, you're a child, essentially. And when you go to war, most most of these guys are. And you are dealing with um, fear, anxiety, um, hypervigilance, you're trying to stay alive and you're running around not knowing if somebody's going to be shooting at you the next moment or, or if you're going to get blown up or whatever. And that creates this inner turmoil to where you begin to, I mean, you almost have to evaluate your life and the real meaning of it. And, and I could die. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? And so I did a lot of that soul searching um, when I was in Iraq. And I had a buddy that was in at the time with me, close friend of mine, who I would consider back then a Jesus freak. I mean, he was a guy that always had his Bible with him. He was always wanting to um, have people come and uh, do Bible studies with him and stuff. And everybody's, you know, us rough tough marines are like bro what do no this we're not going to be doing that right now but you know i'd walk by and i'd see him sitting there having a bible study by himself because nobody wanted to go so i kind of felt bad for the guy you know and so i would go over there and sit with him and we would just talk about other things because i didn't really want to talk about god but i felt bad the guy was just sitting there And so it eventually, as it does, turned into um, more conversations about God. And I would ask him questions. And there was even heated moments. I mean, he'll even tell, he would tell you if you asked him, you know, we we would have some heated debates where I was like, okay, well, you've got giraffes on the ark and you've got lions on the ark. You're telling me that the lions aren't eating the giraffes. Like, that's what you're telling me. I mean, the stupidest questions I could ask him to throw him off, you know, and they didn't really matter salvationally, but it was anything that I could do to avoid um, having to really dig in and, and answer the question for myself, who is God to you and what are you going to do about it? You know, I didn't want to answer those questions. I just wanted to be a goofball like normal. And he still wants to be a goofball, yeah. professional goofball. Is that a thing? No. Oh. So anyway, I, uh, I ended up, really turning to the Lord when I was in Iraq and when I came back, him and I, and actually our families would go to church together. And that's when my faith really began to skyrocket. What do you got, Bethany? I need two more questions from you guys. Good. 
So your faith grew in Iraq and then you hit kind of a hard season after. Mm-hmm. What got you through that tough season of, you know, going through the divorce and having three kids that you then had to figure out how to co-parent with this that may not be the easiest person to co-parent with. Right. At what I mean, did you lean on your faith at that point or did you ever stray wayward after Iraq? No, I would say I definitely strayed. Um, you know, when you come to faith, in my experience, from what I've seen in my own life and from other people, you, you know, you come to faith and you are looking for um, your life to get better you might be having a hard time and you're thinking, okay, if I give my life to Jesus, then everything's going to get better. Well, we all know that that's not the reality because life happens, things happen and divorces happen. Um, I was diagnosed with PTSD, traumatic brain injury. Um, I have things that I have to overcome And I didn't see them as I do now with hindsight, but I saw them in the moment as these uh, roadblocks almost to my faith, when really I should have been seeing them as um, tests or um, pruning of of my faith, where I, I pushed back on them and I became depressed, you know, I became isolated. Um, I sought out things um, that I shouldn't have to be able to numb myself or to get away from the uh, intrusive thoughts that were going through my mind. And it, you know, it ruined, it ruined relationships uh, with friends, with obviously my ex-wife, with my children. um, And it, and it bled over into my relationship with Kristen's boys and with Kristen and uh, it came down to a point where it was like something has to be done about this because this this um, PTSD that is being allowed to run rampant um, it can't it can't do that it's it's a tornado causing all kinds of hurt and pain in its wake and It was really Kristen um, pushing me to get help, pushing me to go to counseling and dealing with my mental health issues um, and getting on medication, which I'm I'm not a huge advocate of medication, but at the same time, I see the um, I see the benefit in taking it in order to get to a place where you can see yourself for who you really are, because when you're, you know, when you're depressed or when you're dealing with mental health issues, you're not, um, you don't see yourself the way that everybody else sees you. And that's what I learned over time was that I was a wrecking ball and everybody else was walking on eggshells afraid of me, uh, and everything that I was going to do. Nobody knew what I was going to say or what I was going to do or how I was going to react. And so, that was a really challenging time in my faith because, you know, I just, I just felt so alone and isolated and a large, you know, admittedly a large part of that was myself isolating myself Mm -hmm. from other people. 
Um, but Kristen wouldn't allow me to do that. She wouldn't allow me to continue in these negative behaviors. She wouldn't allow me. She would basically show me that she was worth more than that. My children were worth more than that. And I was either going to get help and fix it or I was out. I was out on the street and I didn't want that. And so, you know, you have to make decisions and some, unfortunately, people don't make the right decision. Uh, but in this case, I decided to go to counseling. I decided to take some medication and to get some help. And I began to see myself for who I really was. And I began to hear the voice of God again. I began to read my Bible again. I began to get back into um, reading books and, and research and all of those different things that I love um, that I just couldn't focus on before. And now um, I have a clarity of mind that I haven't had in a long time. So I hope that answers your question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. What a great question. We went and saw American Sniper. Oh, I remember that. And you had a really hard time during that movie. And by, I mean, by the end of the movie, you were just on a whole nother planet just in a totally different place. And then I think in the car on the whole way home, you slept, which was weird because you're not a car sleeper. Right. And I think it was shortly after that, that it was like, okay, I really think that he has something more than just, he's not just an asshole. I mean, you are, but yeah. you know, there's more to it than that. So. I mean, everybody knows that. <laughs> but when, you know, when you're in that, when you're in that lifestyle and people are just telling you you're a jerk and you know, why do you treat everybody so badly? And you know, you spiral down and inside yourself and you just start to believe that you are just a jerk and maybe I'm just not a great person. And, you know, it takes somebody else to look at you and go, no, that's not who you are. I think you have some issues going on that Mm -hmm. need to be addressed and you need to have some coping skills and you need to figure out how to, And one of those coping skills now is we don't go to the theater and watch military movies because we actually don't watch military movies that much anymore. But for a while it was, we were watching a lot of military movies, doing a lot of views, listening to a lot of military podcasts and doing a lot of, and now we just, we limit that a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, you have to, you have to take your, your, yeah, you have to take your own mental health in your own hands and say either I don't know what I'm doing here. I need help or I have these tools in my tool belt and I know how to use them and I need to use them. And sometimes that means not watching military movies. Sometimes that means being, being careful going into loud, noisy environments or um, sometimes it's just as simple as having some sort of a, um, a word or a phrase between you and somebody that you love to where you can communicate how you're feeling without feeling embarrassed or, um, you know, feeling like you're, you're less than, you know, because I have to go, you know, like this, Mm -hmm. this party that we're at is too much for me. My anxiety is through the roof. I have to go, you know, how do I communicate that to my spouse who's having a good time? Um, and doesn't want to leave. And all I have to do is look at her and, you know, say a certain phrase or, or give her a certain understanding and, and boom, we're up and we're out. And that's, you know, that's what you need. 
to find. And for those of you that might be dealing with some, and I didn't mean to make this about mental health challenges by any means, but while we're talking about it, if you're dealing with mental health challenges and you're feeling depressed or you're feeling isolated or you're feeling like nobody likes you or you're not good enough, um, tired, sleeping all the time, not wanting to engage in work or social settings. These are telltale signs of depression, anxiety, and you should talk to somebody because, and if you want to send us a message, wow, Siri, don't interrupt. (laughs) But uh, that's real life folks right there. If Siri doesn't interrupt things that you do throughout the day, then you're not using her right because she's the worst assistant I've ever met. (laughs) Anyway, so if you're dealing with mental health issues, please talk to somebody. Please, if you need to message us, we'll listen to you. We'll see if we can help in any way. We would love to. So anyway, enough about me. Next week, we're digging into you guys. I'm coming up with some questions that are going to be so off the wall. You're not going to be ready for them, but that's okay. That doesn't seem fair. We had very nice questions. They were nice questions. You guys did good. Well, like Bethany, anything why else? The big bucks? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think your, I think your testimony is a great testimony in the sense that you overcame. I think a lot of people don't, realize that you know we and we've talked about it in past episodes but we're dealing with more than just a war with China or Russia or whoever you know whatever country it is this month it's a spiritual battle and the devil is alive and well and will can will constantly try to bring us down if we allow it and he wants to be isolated and he wants us to be alone and to not reach out to people so I think you have a great testimony um, in that aspect of overcoming the the spiritual battles of this world, and they don't ever end. I'm, sure. I'm talking to my son about this right now that the the temptations never go away; um, they're always there, but it's it's your choice because God ultimately did give us all free will. Um, so so you you make your own path. It's a ride you don't get to get off of. So. Yep, you know Rick has overcome a lot, but he we would be lying if we said he doesn't still struggle with stuff every once in a while. And but the difference now is that he has the tools to to recognize it. And what the episodes last a lot shorter. They're you know we we know what to do collectively as a family, not just me. I mean Bethany helps, the boys help. You know everybody helps kind of help pull him out of it wrangle him in and he sees it and he you know he does the hard work of bringing himself out of it but you know it's it's a community thing it's a it's a group thing and that's how we were designed by god is to be in community with each other so when you isolate yourself and when you burrow deep inside which is where you know i think especially men military men like to go you know it's a it can be a scary place Mm-hmm. Well, praise God that you made it through, Rick. We're proud of you. We love you. Yes. Love you guys. Aww. And we love you, all of you listeners out there. We're Listener so land. 
so grateful that you guys are listening to these podcasts and uh, coming back for more fringy morsels. Um, we want to continue to bring these to you. Obviously, we're going to do Kristen's. We're going to do Bethany's. Um, but then we're going to do, as Kristen said, do some current events, just some things that are happening because there are things happening all around us. I mean, it almost it almost seems daily that yes. something else is happening, something crazy and uh, out of control. And as you start to kind of open your eyes to what's going on in the world, you start to see how many weird things are really happening. I mean, me and Bethany are sending each other stuff constantly. Like, did you see this? This is so weird. Did you hear about this? Like, you know, once you, it's like if you're looking for a a red car, then everything you see is a red car. Or or if you just broke up with your boyfriend, all you see is couples. Like, but there's stuff going on all the time. And so we want to, you know, just kind of pop in and have a little, like, you know, we do a lot of research for the episodes that we put out, but maybe have a, a shorter episode where you guys, we just kind of prompt you and you guys go do some research because I think the more research you do and stuff you find, the more pieces fit into the puzzle. Yeah. Once you take that red pill, there's no going back. There's no going back. There's no going back. Unless you have one of those men in black little eraser things. But Did you just frickazee me? <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, thanks again for tuning in. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. And Telegram, we've also got a website up now. Uh, just published it today. So go to that. I my headshot. You didn't give me a headshot? I know, you need to. <laughs> but go to that's so fringy podcast.com. You can listen to episodes. We have an About Us page. It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress, but uh, we're going to continue to uh, push forward with this movement. Yes. Um, we're stepping out of the boat. We're living in faith and we're hoping that you're enjoying all the content that we're bringing to you. So with that, we just want to say, have a good rest of your week. We'll put something out again here on Sunday. For those of you that have been paying attention to social media, there's been some hints dropped. We're going to be talking about mind control, a little bit about mind control, some CIA projects and other things like that. But that, my friends is another episode. So we'll see you on the next one. Again, I'm Rick. I'm Kristen. And I'm Bethany. Stay fringy, my friends. Stay fringy, my friends. All right, you guys. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye.